Welcome to Deep Thoughts with the Dixons. Now here are your hosts, Nina and Brian Dixon. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Deep Thoughts with the Dixons. We are grateful that you are here joining us, and we hope you enjoy our fifth episode. Before we dive into the topic of this episode, we want to talk a little bit about this last weekend. Nina, it was your birthday. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what we did? That's right. I don't know. I don't know if I want to share how old I am now. No, actually, I'm young. Let's just. I'm young forever. Um, yeah, so, okay, so Saturday was my birthday, right? What did we do? Okay, so Thursday. Actually, the whole thing started Thursday because you you came home, and if I remember correctly, we were sitting on the dining table, and for some reason, I felt a huge urge of showing you this, like, little piece of paper I had, like, drawn out this huge elaborate plan on for this podcast and, like, the future plans for it, which I'm not going to share right now, and you're just looking at me and shaking your head, and I'm not catching on to, like... You know, you're kind of giving this like smirk of like you're up to something. And then you look at me and you go, do you want your surprise now? And I'm like, wait, there's a surprise? And you're like, do you want your surprise now? And so I said, yes. And then you said, okay. And then I said, can I look for it? Like, is it tangible? Is it an object? And you're like, yeah, it's, it's upstairs somewhere. So I run upstairs and I start looking for something. And I found it in the room upstairs in the closet behind a bunch of suitcases. And it was a kit, um, a camera, a tripod, another mic setup, and memory cards, just about a huge entire kit for um, our video podcast that we're going to come out with. But I originally had the plan of not coming out with these till, what was it, late winter this year? And basically that kind of just helped us speed up the process. I'm in the accelerator (laughs) business. I accelerate people's dreams. That's right. So now... um, We'll be working on that and coming out with video podcasts much, much sooner than the winter time. That was exciting. And then so I was pretty stoked. And Friday, I think I spent like four or five hours just playing with it and reading about it and setting up the camera and taking videos with it, you know, hooking up the mics to stuff, watching YouTube videos on everything. So I was, I was very excited because I did not expect that. I didn't really ask you for one either. I kind of, you know, I kind of was just planning in the long term. And it's just crazy how, like, out of nowhere, you just show up with one. I'm still trying to decide once we actually launch the video podcast if I'm going to go shirts or skins. Oh Likely gosh. skins. Oh, my God. And then what did we do Friday? Movie. Oh, yeah. We went to go see Dark Phoenix. It was okay. I felt. What did you think? It was decent. Yeah, it wasn't it was probably the best Marvel movie, but it wasn't the worst either. I thought it was pretty entertaining for the topic that they had laid out in it. Yeah. And then Saturday, we, well, we worked out, went out for lunch... Went for a coffee. Oh, and then we went rock climbing. Went rock climbing. Got my cliffhanger on do for a while. Want, do you want to share about the rock climbing experience? Rock climbing was great for me. Uh, <laughs> Nina has been excited to rock climb recently. She's never done it. And so I took her to a place in St. Louis called Upper Limits. It's this indoor rock climbing facility. And she gets all excited and she's all strapped up and has her shoes on and has her belay ready and has the belt on for climbing and starts climbing and climbs up about four to six feet on the side of the wall and then like stops, freezes up and then looks down and is like, okay, I'm coming back down. And I'm like, okay, you just push off the wall and let the rope bring you back down. 
And she goes, no, I'm just going to climb back down. So <laughs> she basically did several times on the wall where she would climb up the wall, maybe 10 to 15 feet, and then slowly climb her way back down. Yeah, I went like halfway up the wall. And I did this three separate times because I was trying to muster up some courage each time. But that's harder than it looks. Like, you were sweating the whole time. Yeah, rock climbing is tough. I don't know if anyone out there's ever done it before, but the muscles that are required to use are like in your forearms and in your calves are just muscles that you're not used to using on a daily basis. And so in order to grab some of those holds and get yourself wrapped around some of these very tiny you know, rocks that are artificial rocks coming out of these rock climbing facility walls, it's tough. I mean, it really is a, is a tremendous workout. And you can see why a lot of these people that are professional rock climbers are in great shape because you have to be able to pull your entire body up by just a finger or two to get you into some of these grips in order for you to get up the wall. It wasn't necessarily scary, but I will say this, that every time I went up, I, for the life of me, could not just grab the rope, push off and let the rope take me down. You saw me. like I kept looking down and was like, I can't. And I would climb my way back down. So that's one thing. Next time I'm going to... Got to have that, that leap of faith. You yeah. couldn't fall back and just let the rope bring you down. No. You got to overcome that fear. No, I couldn't do that. Um, what else did we do? Oh, we watched Renegade. Yeah, Renegade was an awesome movie. Highly recommend it for anybody that hasn't seen it. It is starring David Icke, I-C-K-E. David Icke is a very interesting fellow. He is from London and used to actually be a football player or soccer player, depending on what part of the world you're listening from. And he was initially a professional soccer player and then basically went on this large spiritual awakening and basically changed his entire path for what he did in his life up and started researching all of these hidden societies, secret societies and organizations around the world that basically have control over our global economics and make a lot of the decisions for how things happen. Now, a lot of people would call these conspiracy theories, and he's dedicated his life to learning throughout all these. But once you actually start understanding how these organizations operate and the level of secrecy involved and how they're connected and how the money flows, that's how you can usually tell is where is the money flowing and where is the power flowing. Once you really start understanding that, you begin to get a better and more clear picture behind why certain things occur within our global economy. And so he's just spent a tremendous amount of time. And for years and years, he was ridiculed about the different efforts that he was focused on and some of his views. And now after doing this for a really long period of time, he has started to develop a tremendous following and people are really starting to listen to what he's having to say. And now he does world tours to talk on these different topics and things that he's uncovered through his research and firsthand experience. But the name of the movie is Renegade. Uh, we watched it on Apple TV. It's really, really interesting. And I highly recommend you check it out. So we're recording this on Tuesday, the 11th. And we just released our fourth episode this morning because we release our episodes every Tuesday. And the one that we released this morning is on resilience. And I, I found that movie Renegade and David Icke's story to be a very good example of what it means to be a resilient person. And because he's so passionate about waking up the world and trying to show people that we all have the power within to make these changes that we so desperately want our leaders to uh, do, 
He's saying that you have it within you, but he just doesn't give up. Like people ridicule him, they hate on him, they try to cancel his shows on him last minute. This guy just never gives up. And he's like what, 66 years old? Yeah, there was actually a point when he was first coming out with all these topics and he wrote a book, I believe it was called Thought Vibrations. And he got invited to speak on this major television show in London where they had 17 million viewers. And they basically brought him on the show and just completely ridiculed him, called him out, called him crazy for all his views in front of 17 million people. And afterwards, he was like, you don't have to believe me. He's like, I've uncovered this. It's the data is there to prove it. He goes, you can think I'm crazy, but what's actually crazy is what's going on in our global economy and the power structures that exist and the hierarchy that has created this illusion of freedom in our world that if you don't uncover and wake up from what's going on, it's going to run our global economy into the ground. And after that, for years and years, he was ridiculed. His wife was ridiculed. His sons were ridiculed, like his whole family. And he just stuck with his mission and kept doing it, was incredibly resilient. And now there's people actually waking up to what's going on in the information age and the connectivity that we have and opportunity to uncover certain things that we weren't able to in the past. He's basically began to go around and speak around the world on these topics. So it's really, really cool. Respect to that guy for all his resiliency. It's very refreshing to see somebody from that era to be such a free thinker. Because I don't think that there's many of them, or at least that I don't read about or see about. You know, they're usually younger people who are more free free thinkers, quote unquote. But this guy is from like the older generation and his viewpoints are just so mind opening. You know, what did I say to you afterwards? What if we could put Kanye, David Icke, and Russell Brand in a room together? Be an interesting conversation. It would be an awesome conversation. People hate on Kanye a lot too. I think that guy's just having a huge spiritual awakening and beginning to understand how certain things operate within the universe. And he's just publicly speaking about it. And then everyone's calling him crazy and a nut job for all these things that he does. And I don't hate on that guy at all. I think that guy's just starting to understand how things work. Well, his interview on the David Letterman show on Netflix absolutely 1000% portrays that he's on his path to being a free thinker. I think most artists are, they just don't vocalize it. He's being honest at this point with himself and with other people. And no one likes it because now he's a different version of Kanye and they're not, that's not what they're used to. But that's a different topic. Um, Awesome movie though. You guys have to watch Renegade. Let's get right into it. Okay. Ego. We usually go for a, I would say like a two to three mile walk after dinner, especially in the spring and summertime. So was this last night or the night before? I forget. I think it was last night. We were walking and I was talking to you. I was talking to Brian and I was talking about how much work I have put into becoming aware of my ego at certain times and how it makes me laugh because the same things that used to kind of get me a year ago, I just kind of laugh off at this point now. And he said something, you said something that kind of pushed both of us to be, to, to want to talk about ego today. And that was most people don't even recognize or know that ego comes in a ton of different forms. They think ego is like this one, like, you know, just being arrogant and self-centered, but ego plays out in numerous ways that most people don't even know that they're acting from an egoic place. You want to elaborate on that? Yeah, sure. So Ego is very interesting. Everybody has one. There's nobody on this planet that does not have an ego. 
but I think that it rears its head in a lot of different forms that people may not be aware of. So most people think of ego when you would think of an individual who maybe is very cocky or arrogant or they think very highly of themselves and they're just overly confident in their abilities and they do it in a way that projects kind of this negative aura about them because they're just very cocky. Maybe they're, they do it for no apparent reason. Maybe they're a successful person in business. Maybe they're a successful person in their personal life, and, but they really just project this aura of I'm better than you kind of a mentality. And I think that's how most people perceive what ego actually is. That is definitely a part of how ego portrays itself, but it can portray itself in a lot of other ways. So for example, ego is really anything that is projecting itself, in my opinion, that provides any type of negative frequency and creates this illusion of self, of a personal identity. So I've talked in the past around how I think everybody's connected and we're all projecting off this infinite source mind of consciousness or God consciousness, whatever you prefer. And because of that, we have these different experiences that we're living through. So the ego mind would be something telling you that you are separate from the sea of consciousness and that you are something that goes on its own and is not connected to the rest of the individuals in the sea of consciousness. That's what ego would do. Ego is when you're trying to identify yourself. Like ego is, I'm a lawyer, I'm a doctor, I'm a sports athlete, I'm a teacher. Like basically creating this self-identification of what you are for this three-dimensional reality that we live in. And that is how ego can rear its head as well, like trying to put you in a box based off your human experience and accomplishments or curriculum vitae, in a sense, or resume that you've built up in your self-identifying factors. In reality, that's not who you are. You are this infinite creator being of source, and ego tells you that you're not. Ego creates separateness and division between you and your neighbor. In reality, you're connected. And so that's another way that ego can come out. Um, Another way that's a very simple way that ego could come out is say, for example, you are in the workplace and somebody critiques your work product on a project that you were just working on. And internally, it triggers something inside of you that makes you want to react to that person because they gave you feedback on your project and it was maybe something that you didn't agree with. The second that you internalize that feedback and it took out of balance your energetic frequency to a lower vibrational state because you were internalizing that and wanting to react at that person, whether you said something to them or not, that is ego. That is ego coming out and saying, they didn't like or agree with what I just did or created, and now that upset me. That upset me internally or externally, if you actually voice that. That is ego coming out in an entirely different way than these other ways that we just described. And something as simple as that is another way that ego can come out and attack. And so there's some examples of different ways that ego can come out in real world scenarios and how it's not just this concept of arrogance in an individual in this air about themselves that they're better than you. It can actually project itself in a lot of different ways.
Well, let's talk about them because that's what actually motivated us to speak about this is that people aren't aware so that some of the things that they're doing and saying are coming out of from an egoist, egotistic place. For example, I would say if you're driving down the highway and someone cuts you off and your immediate response is, you know, to give them the bird or to curse or to yell or to beep, what would you say that is? That's 100% ego. Because you feel that how could this person cut me off, right? You automatically feel like how could they do this to me? How could they cut in front of me? Right? That, that's definitely an ego problem. So here's, with that particular example, somebody cuts you off in traffic. You get pissed. You honk your horn. You flick them off. That's your ego rearing out because that person did something that upset you and you didn't have the ability in that moment to understand and respond in a positive manner, you let your ego get out of hand. And so a way that you could have responded to that scenario is you could have looked at that scenario and just continued driving, not honked your horn, not let it bother you, not let it upset the current state that you were in, and just say, oh man, that person must be having a hard day. Or, oh man, that person didn't even see me. No big deal. Project love in their direction. Go on with your day. Those are ways in which you can alleviate the ego by viewing the situation objectively and not allowing an emotional response to trigger and react to a scenario. I witness a lot of ego between people in, um, when they're interacting with each other like in relationships, in friendships, with coworkers, um, with people on the street. What would be an example about that, about people interacting with each other in ego, in relationships? So are you asking from an aspect of a business relationship or a personal relationship? Let's start with a personal one. So in a personal relationship, let's say two people, a husband and wife, for example, let's say the husband is doing something that the wife doesn't like. For example, maybe it's as simple as not putting dishes in the dishwasher when they're done with them. Like they eat and they just put them in the sink and they don't go the extra step of actually washing them and putting them in the dishwasher. Now, the wife could recognize this and get very upset with her husband. Or she could rec- she could say, you know what? He was at work today. He had a really long day. He you know, maybe a little out of his element from something that happened in the office today, I'm going to let that slide because it's really not that big of a deal, right? It's not going to matter in an hour or the next day whether that dish was put in the dishwasher or not. So the wife says, you know, I'm going to objectively evaluate the scenario. No big deal. I'm going to put it in the dishwasher. And that's a scenario where the wife could have snapped at the husband and let her ego come out because it pissed her off that that dish was not put in the dishwasher like they had agreed to do in the past. And that... Well, it's because that she... It's because that person at that time thinks, he's not listening to me, right? He's not doing this. He's not doing what we agreed to do. How could you... You're basically disobeying. She's thinking she he's disobeying her, basically. That's how it could be interpreted. Yes, I understand that. And... By blowing up in that person's face, it could then cause a fight or an emotional response, and both egos could potentially come out there. But just by the simple act of understanding and generating compassion for the scenario, you learn that it's not the end of the world, 
and that little thing can be fixed and solved. And if the ego were to come out, it probably would have blew up into an argument or a fight or at least some lower energetic frequency that would have occurred. Ego tends to come out when we take things personally. Is that a right statement? Yeah. I think when you take things personally, it can cause ego to be triggered. Yeah. Um, Oh, by the way, guys, that example was not about us. I'm actually the one who leaves things in the sink in the dishwasher in our case. And Brian just quietly goes in there, washes them, and puts them in the dishwasher. Compassionate samurai. (laughs) I I love to leave peanut butter spoons in the sink, too, that just dry up all day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so ego is an unhealthy, basically it's an unhealthy belief in our own importance Um, arrogance, self-centeredness. It's like somebody always trying to get their way, trying to be the center of attention. You know, it's my way or the highway. It's like these kinds of people, when people are really full of ego, I find them to be, they want a lot of attention. You know, they want to be like front and center with everything, even whether it's warranted or not. I don't know. There's just this thing about them. From a business perspective too, I can give an example of I think ego comes out a lot in the workplace. Yeah. I mean, I've traveled all around the world. I've met with, you know, startups, investors, executives at major corporations and powerful government leaders. And I've noticed that's probably one of the biggest issues that I continue to learn, regardless where I'm at in the world, is that our society suffers from serious ego problems. And that can rear its head in a lot of different ways, like I described before. But like in a work setting, for example, I think ego could come out, say, for example, you're working on a project and you do everything like you thought it was supposed to be done. And then all of a sudden your boss comes back and doesn't agree with how you did it. And so they want you to change that and then they get upset because you didn't do it the right way. That right there is potentially ego coming out because you did it for the way that you were potentially instructed. And then when your higher up saw that particular project's results, they will come back and say, no, that wasn't right. That's how I did it. As opposed to saying, you know, you did a really, really good job on this. There's some different ways I think that we could approach this. And here's some feedback that's constructive that I can give to you as opposed to just being upset that it wasn't potentially done right in the first place. And so I think that's a big problem, especially in the work setting, because people can get egos very easily, and they're usually not even aware that their ego's coming out. Sometimes they are aware, and that makes it even worse. But you know, in the work setting, there's definitely the potential that ego can come out in a lot of different forms and fashions. And one of the things that I've implemented that I try to tell the companies that I work with that really helps in this manner is having an environment of total transparency and accountability. Because if everything is transparent and accountable to the biggest degree that you possibly can within an organization, then everybody has an understanding of what their roles are and how to divide the labor for what they're working on and where their areas of focus should be. And then if somebody doesn't accomplish something in the right way that it was laid out, then they're held accountable for it and the team knows. And so it also creates this self-incentivizing mechanism. But this total transparency should be from every level of the organization up to the CEO, because if, if the CEO is not being just as transparent as the rest of the organization or the rest of the executives or the rest of the middle market management or whatever part of the organization it is, then all of a sudden that person becomes unaccountable. 
And everybody needs to be accountable because an organization is an organism, in a sense, that grows together by the hard work, efforts, intention, and goals set by the collective. And if you're not holding yourself accountable in a very transparent manner where you have measurable metrics and results that you can be evaluating on a weekly basis, A, you're probably not steering your organization in the right direction. B, projects won't get accomplished in the right manner. And C, it really opens the door easily for people to have egoic responses in the workplace. So this is something that I had a, I struggled with trying to figure this out for myself a couple of years ago, and that would be when something happens, how do how does somebody determine the difference between I'm about to react from an egotistical place or I am about to stand up for myself? Like, and I, I know now that. There is a very thin, fine line between reacting from an ego place versus standing up for yourself. And I believe that's, it comes down to two words, self-awareness. I think that you just to be self-aware in that moment and know I'm taking this personally or I really am standing for myself, but that still gets fuzzy sometimes. So what would be your take on that, on someone who can't differentiate or, or struggle that there's like this internal struggle, right? Like I want to react to this person on email. I want to stand up for myself. You know, I, I need to speak my truth, quote unquote. And sometimes I do, you know, this the last several weeks I have, you know, dealt with this. Like, what do I say? How do I say it? You know, I can't just let them get away with saying that to me. And so my approach in the past has been to calmly respond and keep my cool and, you know, be nice and just kind of respectful, but still get my message across. I still have never, though, taken the high road. So I think that has to do with the duality of in your response of love versus fear. And in order to identify if it's ego versus standing up for yourself, I think it's in your approach to how you respond to people. So let's use an example. Say that you are selling a business to somebody and there's ego involved on the part of the purchaser because they think that they know some particular aspect of this business better than you do, even though you're the one selling it, right? And so they will become very egoic in how they are approaching you and commanding certain things within the sale of the business that may not seem reasonable to you. Now, if your ego was going to blare out, you could basically become very confrontational. You could try to say some things that are kind of not really related to the business, but are stabbing that person directly. I think that's a big thing with ego too, where you're not actually addressing the situation. You start attacking an individual based on something that has nothing to do with the particular scenario that you're in. You bring up things from the past or things that they've done that you didn't agree with. They're just a bunch of low blows at that point. Exactly. But if you were to respond and delete your ego in that scenario... What you could do from a mindset of compassion and love is you could say, look, I understand why you feel this way about this. However, this is why I feel this way and basically lay out the data points to make it crystal clear as to why 
your you feel that your argument makes a lot more sense for the argument that they're bringing up. And I really think laying out the data is one of the best ways to do this because data is objective. Data does not have feelings, right? Numbers are numbers, stats are stats. And so if you can figure out a way to respond to that person in a very loving and compassionate way, letting them know that you understand the way they feel that way or the way they're thinking that way, but then provide your approach. And sometimes you have to do it in a stern but respectful manner to get it across if the person is very egoic and they're having a difficult time. And I don't mean that by yelling at another person, but basically standing firm on what your opinion is, but doing it in a very compassionate manner usually that's going to work out. And that's going to help you delete your ego from the scenario, present your case objectively. And in this particular scenario, between the sale of a business, you know, trying to negotiate that back and forth, it's also going to open the door for the rest of those negotiations to run a lot more smoothly. Because trust me, I've seen a lot of different businesses sell and ego comes in comes in all the time. People are like, they don't understand the value of this. And the, the purchaser is like, I'm not paying that like this. And so there's a, a huge disconnect. But if both parties would literally delete their ego to the best of their ability and approach the transaction with a mindset of love and compassion, that whole transaction will run a lot smoother because they are not acting confrontational with each other and they are changing the frequency at which their energy is interacting with each other. And by doing that, it's going to open up the opportunity for a much smoother transaction to take place. Why should we even, I I was thinking about this this morning, you know, ego has such a bad rap to it. You know, ego is a bad thing, bad thing. There's a ton of books on it too. Why would, was somebody who's not aware of their ego issue or someone who maybe is and is listening to this podcast and is now like, hmm, maybe that's like an area of my life I should work on. And since our podcast is 50% based on self-help and I would say self-awareness and growth and evolution of our human um, consciousness, why would someone be inclined or motivated to delete their ego? What's the benefit of that? The benefit of deleting your ego is basically creating energetic frequencies, outlets, and opportunities that may not be present in your life with them. And a way to think about that is that when you have an ego-based response, you are automatically changing the energy that is coming out of you, that is internalized inside of you, and is interacting with the parties in which the egoic response takes place. And so if you're lowering that frequency, it is going to change your reality. It is going to shape how situations around you take place for the negative, for the worse in each of those scenarios. And by deleting your ego and removing it, it is going to enhance your ability as an individual to navigate through your daily life in a much more effective and compassionate manner. And by doing that, that will shift the frequency at which you're operating on a daily basis. And because of that, it is going to shape for the positive the relationships around you, the circumstances that you encounter, the opportunities that you attract. So you have to really think about this in terms of energy, right? So if you're doing something that lowers your energetic frequency, it's going to lower 
your reality. It's going to lower the state of conscious awareness that you're in, thereby causing the opportunities that you encounter, the people you encounter to reflect back to you in the manner at which your energy is projected, right? It's like a mirror. And so by lowering it, you're getting a lower quality of individual you interact with, a lower quality of opportunity, a lower quality of regardless what the situation is, it's going to not be as good as what it could be. If you delete your ego and it changes your energetic frequency like it will, because I've experienced this firsthand, and everybody I've helped with this concept that's done it has had nothing but positive benefits, it will reshape the situations you come in contact with. You'll have newer, more aligned people. You'll have opportunities that are better. You will have circumstances that affect your daily life, and everything will happen for the better because you're removing this ego, which is this emotional-based response based around the self-identity of what you think is right or wrong. Let's dissect ego a little bit. I read a few articles this morning and it kind of took me down a rabbit hole. However, I noticed in the beginning of this episode, you, you touched on like the one big main point that I wanted to get into. And that was the, the article actually that I read, the title was the ego is not your enemy. I think I sent it to you and it caught my eye because, you know, I was like, wait, the ego is our enemy. Why does it say not? Right. It goes on to describe exactly what you said a few minutes ago that the ego is like a, it's a it's a trickster. It it makes you think that somebody it first of all it it creates a divide and a separateness from you and me. So now you're looking at me as Nina as a separate entity, and you're looking at yourself as a separate entity. So if I do something, you immediately react and say, "How could she do that to me?" You know, or I want to be front and center of this. I want to go do this. I have to have recognition for this. That illusion of separateness between you and the world or you and other people is not real. I know that this might be a little bit odd for some people to maybe understand or accept, but how can you help them understand that? I think you have to just go back to the concept of everything is connected. Nobody is separate. So if somebody else is doing something and they're experiencing a positive benefit from it, that is great. That is enhancing their energetic frequency, right? And by doing so, in turn, it is pushing that out into the universe, which is going to increase that energy, basically. And so if something else happens well for somebody else and they're getting excited about it, you should be happy for that person too. Your ego would come out if you were to get jealous or greedy of what that person had. But if you're happy for that person because something good happened to them, all that does is that amplifies the magnitude of that energy, right? And so not only is good things happening to them, for the fact that you're showing appreciation and gratitude for what just happened with them or what they accomplished, that actually is going to come back to you in an order of magnitude more in the future or in the current state, however it projects itself. But I guarantee that's what it will end up happening. And so you have to understand that there is no separateness. And if something good happens for somebody else, it's happening good for you too. And you should be thinking about it in that way. And if I think if you're on the receiving end of that, like someone is kind of being egotistical with you, you might be thinking like, what did I do to deserve this? And I don't want to react from an ego place, but I also want to stand up for myself. My little piece of advice there would be in those moments, I am very quick in my head to remind myself that this person might be 
stooping to a very low level and putting very negative energy out there, quote unquote, towards me. But I'm not going to do the same thing back to them. I'm not going to contribute to that negative energy by now lashing out at them because I choose to take, take something personally that they said. I think that's, a really good, that's another good way to look at it is that don't, don't be a contributor of bad energy. Even if it's happening towards you, try to put the good back out there. Try to neutralize the situation or try to say it in a peaceful manner. You know, like try to do the, the right thing basically in every single unfolding moment. And that's, will, that's what will eventually ultimately continue to manifest in your life because everything has a chain reaction. Exactly. Um, the next thing I wanted to point out was when, when we come across a situation that has, you know, that maybe makes somebody feel like, why is this happening to me? You know, why is this person attacking me? Why is it, why is this happening? I don't deserve this. Like I just mentioned, I think that that also, aside from being ego and aside from being self-centered, I think that also leads to more inner issues. Like no one tends, no one seems to talk about like really dissect what ego is. When you are feeling that like mode inside of you, like I have to react and like that's your ego talking inside of you because you feel personally attacked on something, you're in essence now comparing yourself to either what that person is saying about you you're, or you're comparing yourself to them or you're comparing yourself to the situation that's happening, which is all creating inner conflict and self-doubt. If we are very whole and happy and confident from the heart aligned individuals, nobody can shake that out of us. You know, like when they say like you have to be truly a, you have to truly find your passions. You have to truly do what you want to do in life. You have to truly be with the person that you want to be with. Like really, really, really follow your heart and don't do things because other people are telling you to do them. I think that's a big factor to talk about here. That when you are on your path, excuse me, when you are on your path and you are truly doing something or working at a job that you enjoy or you're with the right person that you actually love and you're willing to make it work, I don't really find things that are like egotistical popping up in front of my face. Does, it, does that make sense? Am That's I making because sense? you're in a mind state of you're positivity. Aligned. You're yeah. aligned with what you feel good about. And when you are in that mind state, it is very difficult for your ego to come out. Like, think about trying to be grateful for something. Like, try to be grateful for a person and pissed off at them at the same time. You can't do it. It's impossible. It's impossible to ha- express gratitude for a person and be pissed off at them at the same time because those are two counterintuitive energetic frequencies, one being positive, one being negative. And the positive always outweighs the negative when you focus on love. And so you really have to understand that once you force your mind to do that and you reprogram your subconscious to engage in these scenarios like this, it really will help you delete the ego to put you in that mind state all the time. And, you know, an example, kind of something that you just touched on could be like, 
when it comes to internalizing things before your ego comes out, it really could be a much more deep-seated issue that you have to work through as an individual. So for example, say you were a woman growing up and you were treated very poorly by men as you were growing up. So maybe your father was really hard on you. Maybe you had bad relationships. And so when you got older and you entered the workforce, you felt very uncomfortable around men. And so you always felt that you had to stand up for yourself because growing up, that's what you did because of how your upbringing and, and the bad situations that you may have been in. And so when you're in the workforce now, and you're in particular scenarios, you really feel that you have to like fire back at men if they're not treating you the way that you think that you should be treated, as opposed to get, deleting your ego and saying, look, I've learned that I have these emotional responses and I understand why I have them. I have them because I had a human experience growing up that put me in situations that now I can learn from because I have an awareness of it. But those situations are now projecting themselves through my ego in real world scenarios. And once you become a conscious and aware of that, and you understand, you can learn from that, that, oh man, I'm having these egoic-based responses because of something that happened to me a long time ago, then you can work with yourself to start to enhance those scenarios so that you don't do that. So you don't come out anymore and try to like push on people when they shouldn't be pushed on because of a specific, specific setting that you're in at that time. So a lot of times it is these deep-seated issues that people need to understand and work through. And then once you become conscious of those, you can fix them. You just mentioned something self-aware. One of the um, articles I was reading touched on like one of the first steps on how to get rid of your ego. Like you're now at the point where, okay, I'm an ego. I have a lot of ego. I got to work on this. How do, where do I start? What do I do? And the first step is to become self-aware when I say self-aware, I take that as I have to become, I have to be able to pause in heated situations. I have to be able to take that split second between the end of your screaming sentence to me and right when I'm about to yell back at you, I have to be able to pause and just like cool down for a second and then respond from that place. However, with ego... It gets a little bit tricky because the ego is basically the quote unquote, quote unquote, I, me, mine. And when, how do you know it's your ego in those moments? It kind of like masks and disguises itself as your emotions. You start to get mad because you somewhere, somewhere inside of you, you believe what that person just said about you, or you're trying to defend yourself. Does that make sense? Like it takes on your emotions and wraps them up and then makes you incorrectly believe that you are those emotions, that you just got hurt. You just got stomped on, you know, this person just did this to you. And so I think being self-aware is probably, if not the main ultimate goal that every young adult should have. And I'm not going to limit that to just young adults. That's anybody of any age that needs, there's a lot of people that are all different age groups that are not self-aware and still are not self-aware. And you're well, right. There might not be any hope for them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> there's hope for everybody. And I think that it's important to develop that skill set. And as a tactical step to try to work through, if you notice that you have a lot of ego-based responses, 
is when you're encountered in a situation where you notice internally that you think your ego is about to come out, what I sometimes think is beneficial is to really quickly play this entire scenario out in your head. So say, for example, something happens and you want to become confrontational with somebody or strike up an argument because of what just occurred. Before you react in that manner, really quickly in your head say, okay, I'm about to yell at this person. What's going to happen? They'll probably yell back at me. We'll probably both get upset. We'll probably get pissed off at each other. Then we'll probably get done with this argument and then we'll walk away upset. Or you cannot react in that manner. You can delete your ego from the equation and you can respond in a compassionate manner and then have that entire situation go in a very different, more positive path. And by doing that and playing that scenario out, it only takes a couple of seconds in your head before you jump into something. Not only are you realizing and learning that your ego is not your amigo in that scenario, right? You're also learning to take a quick multi-second step back to view that situation objectively and develop that conscious self-awareness. Let's talk about the reasons. There's three main reasons as to why, at least I personally believe that we should all be working on towards getting rid of our egos. The first one is I think that ego inside of us keeps us out of touch with reality I think one of the biggest reasons why ego is our enemy is that it keeps us out of touch with reality. I think ego is what prevents us from hearing critical but necessary feedback from others, which I, you know this, there are moments when you and I, when we first started working together and like starting our companies together, I think one of the things you had mentioned to me in like a very, you know, sweet, sweet manner, you were just like, Nina, you don't know how to like listen to like feedback. And it's, it was so true. I literally always thought like, nobody can tell me what to do. Nobody can tell. And I, and it's because my programming, right? I never really held a position, which I'm grateful for, but I never really held a position where I had too many people above me. Like I was always in leadership roles. And so my self-confidence or my ego, so to speak, was that of like, no one can tell me what to do. You know, I tell people what to do. And I tell people how to do things. I give them feedback. You know, you don't give me feedback. So I didn't really know. I remember I would just like in one year out the other, you would like tell me to do something differently and I just wouldn't do it. Not that we would fight, but I just wouldn't listen to it. Um, I think ego makes us overestimate our abilities and our worth. And it underestimates the effort and skill that we are required to have to achieve our goals. And this is why they say like it makes you lose touch with reality. And this is why you can miss opportunities like you mentioned before um, to improve and to connect with others to achieve what it is that we want to achieve. I think if ego was the voice that tells us we're better than we really are, we can say that ego inhibits true success by preventing a direct and honest connection to the world around us. The ways I think this separation, which is what we talked about earlier, that manifests itself negatively is absolutely immense. You know, we can't work with other people if we've put up walls. You know, we can't improve the world if we don't understand it ourselves. We can't take or receive feedback if we are incapable of or uninterested in hearing from outside sources that may be trying to help us. Uh, a second, what, go ahead, sorry. I was going to say something you just laid out, I think is important where you talked about having us feel like we're maybe at different levels 
And I think that that's what the ego can do. The ego, another way that it comes out is it can try to convince you as a person and this identity that you have during this particular human experience that you are on a different level than another human being when in fact everybody is at the exact same level because everybody's connected and everybody is made up of the same stuff. So I don't care if you're a CEO of a mega tech company or if you're the best investor in the world or if you're a school teacher or if you are a policeman or if you are a janitor or if you are a homeless person on the side of the street that's struggling to get by, nobody is on a separate level from another person. And so once you understand that, because your ego will continually try to trick you of that, to make you think that you're at a different level than somebody else, you are literally not. You are on the exact same level. We are all connected and we are all part of this exact same human experience and sea of consciousness. And if you let your ego tell you that you're on a different level, it will slow your progress in life. I guarantee it. Yeah, it's that comparison. You know, I'm better than you or I'm superior than you. Either way, whether I'm the person who's being egotistical or I'm the one probing the other person, these are all, you know, awakening these dark beasts within us that we need to be aware of. Yes. And when it comes to this concept of thinking that one person is on a different level than another person, that begins to do what ego does called passing judgment, right? Because mm-hmm. when, if you ever think that you're you know, better or, or worse, because it can also happen where somebody may not have the confidence and think they're worse than another individual because they're perceiving that individual is at a different level than them. That's also your ego telling you you're not good enough. Mm-hmm. And you are. Everybody is on the exact same level. And so by doing that, ego is creating this illusion of judgment that doesn't actually exist, but you through the human experience are projecting that outward. And so that's another way that ego can really project itself by not realizing that we are all on the exact same level. Again, it keeps you out of touch with reality. The second is it creates unrealistic expectations and entitlement. I think ego, egotistical people, we assume that we're entitled. I don't know why I just said we. <laughs> um, they assume that they're entitled. This is mine. I've earned it. And at the same time, I think that entitlement, this goes back to your business example, like almost 20 minutes ago. Entitlement nickels and dimes other people because it can't conceive of valuing other pe- other person's time as highly as its own. It delivers tirades and pronouncements that exhaust the people who work for us and with us, who have no choice other than to go along. It overstates our abilities to others. It renders generous judgment of our prospects, and it creates ridiculous expectations. This part right here took me back to what you said about businesses or in the workplace, why there's so much ego. It's because, again, in our society, we think or we're programmed to think and feel that I have to go out there and fight the world to make a dollar, right? I have to go out there and fight Susie to get that promotion. I have to go out there and I have to fight my coworkers to show my boss that I'm the best one there. You know, I have to trample over to them to get up here. That's why I think our corporate world has so much ego. Yeah, I think it really comes out a lot in the business setting for sure. And it's basically this environment of competition that's been created over the years in our society. That because no one thinks abundance. You know, people aren't going out there thinking there's plenty for everyone to go around. If I just put my head down and do what I have to do to the best of my abilities, 
I will get what's mine. It's a vibrational law. It's literally, it's the universal law that if you put good out there, you do your best, you will get what you're supposed to be promised. Now I get that in this world, sometimes things do happen. Like people cheat us, you know, there's unjust, maybe you don't get that promotion. You don't get the bonus you wanted and you worked your ass off for it. But the universe is going to compensate you for that in some other manner, whether it's a different opportunity or a new new job or money from some somewhere else. It's not our job to put those expectations into the arms of other people outside of us. Yeah. And what you just said, I think, is an important point is you laid out that a lot of these companies in the work setting create a atmosphere of lack or scarcity as opposed to abundance. When in the reality, even competitors in the same space can be equally successful selling the exact same thing. There's Aquafina and there's Fiji. And both those companies made billions of dollars over the years, right? And they're selling water. And there is total abundance in every market and there's opportunity for everyone. And this mindset of there's not enough to go around or I've got to get that much more of the market share and this and that, like that's a mindset of fear, lack, and scarcity. But when you transform that to a mindset of abundance and love and delete the ego out of the equation, you're going to get that market traction that you want. It's going to happen. It may happen in a different way than you anticipated, but it's going to happen because in the universe, all there is is abundance and love. There's not lack or scarcity, but our ego convinces us that there is. The third thing kind of ties into this too is that the ego makes you dependent on external validation. I think in the business world, I mean, how do we measure success? You know, it's through a promotion. It's through like a good job by your boss. It's through like some sort of stupid certificate, you know, certificate that you might get at like the annual company party or like a pat on the back by, you know, your manager. It's this constant external validation. And I think that that's ingrained in our society. Let's go back to when we're kids, you know, our parents tell us we were good or bad. We go to school. If you did, if you got a high number, you're a good student. If you got a low number, you're a bad student. You know, you have a problem or your teacher's telling you what to do, what to wear, how to do it. So we've grown up always wanting or thinking, being told that that external validation is what we should be seeking. Yeah, that's how our society is ingrained. It's almost like it's an indoctrinization of how we should actually be perceiving ourselves and how we should be creating value within our society. We are completely indoctrined to think a certain way. And it's from the second that you come out of, you know, the womb in a sense, it really is like from the second you are a baby, you're being instructed what's right or what's wrong based off another human's experience and what they learned from another human's experience and through their own. And through this process, like our whole society is just ingrained with egoic based responses on what's right, what's wrong, what you can do, what you can't do. You're a good student. You're a bad student. You're a good or bad employee. And because of this, it has created a very narrow system of life. And it's a very limited life. And until people wake up and understand that they can expand this consciousness beyond this bounds of indoctrinization that we have been pushed upon throughout our lives, then they're never going to realize what their true power is. And so you have to be able to understand where the ego is coming out in these scenarios and how to overcome it. Many people don't 
even realize or experience something other than external validation. You know, ask someone who's really doing what they love to do and then say, hey, if you go there and take that nine to five job, like you're going to, you know, get a medal or, you know, whatever, you'll make more money or, you know, some sort of external thing. And then your wife will be happier with you. And, you know, your kids will have X, Y, Z. And now you can send them to college and get them nice cars when they're 16. If that person is truly doing what they love to do, that external validation won't be able to control that person's life. You know what I mean? Like when you do, when you let external validations control you, whether they're subconscious or conscious, and listen, you could be, you could be the person in the house that's in charge of bringing home the money and paying the bills. And you might think that your wife or husband looks to you towards those things, right? But I think that that's an internal dialogue for you to have that am I doing this for that validation from this person, from my partner? Am I doing this for the validation of my boss? Why am I doing what I'm doing? And never ever should we be putting our happiness or our goals or measuring our success and worth into the arms of other people. And that's what we're doing with, with by saying, oh, but I need this to get here. And only he or she can give that to me. Yes. Ego, simply put in this scenario, is telling yourself that you are anything but enough right now mm-hmm. in this present moment trying to convince you that you need something else. You need someone's affection. You need someone's acceptance. You need a material possession to externally validate your success or your self-worth when that couldn't be further from the truth. Each and every person on this planet is enough right now. They are full of love, full of abundance, full of compassion. And to understand that, at its most basic level, I think is a great place to start in helping evolve your emotional state of conscious awareness to delete your ego. I just thought of a, uh, an example. Us millennials and people younger than us. Where's the ego trap in our society today? Social media. Likes. That little blue white check mark next to your name showing that you have a verified account how many followers you have, how much engagement you have on a post. I don't care if Instagram is your way to make money. I do think and believe that at some point, at some level, these individuals are falling into that ego trap for that external validation. Yeah. So when you really begin to study the science behind social media, it really is a ego triggering device in a lot of ways because they've done a lot of studies. When I say they, I mean scientists that studies and researchers in this space um, have done a lot of studies around what is the human chemical response to engagement on social media. And there is the same chemicals released in the human brain whenever there is engagement through likes or comments on a post that get released when somebody does different types of drugs. Not for me. The only time I get serotonin releases is when I get like peanut butter ice cream or chocolate ice cream. And I think you know this. This is true. (laughs) (laughs) But there's been a lot of studies done on this. I encourage people to take a look into it if they feel like they're starting to let social media slip, slip away with their time that they're spending on it because 
it literally is a, has been proven to be as addictive as a drug when it comes to this engagement. And that, again, is this egoic-based external validation that, oh, I got to post this picture and I, I really care about how many likes I get or how many comments or how much engagement because I'm painting this perception to the world of what's going on in my life. And in reality, social media should just be a digital tool. It should not be something where you're seeking external validation from because that's what your ego is trying to get out of it by the engagement that you're getting on posts and how that's making you respond and how that's making your emotional state change. So there's three very quick, simple things that we can do to get rid of our ego before you wrap this up for us. Uh, the first one is do something. Don't try to be somebody. So this is like the whole, you know, be purpose driven. Don't try to go do something to get that again, external validation or fancy title. I would, let's share a personal example. I just thought of one for myself and kind of putting myself out there with this one. But now given, aside from the fact that I was young and I was learning and I didn't really know myself what I wanted to do yet, I wasn't really guided on the path of like, hey, you have to do what makes you happy. I was guided on the path of like financial security and, you know, you should do this and this and this and then this happens, right? My purpose currently and the things that drive me probably in the last six or seven months or so are things around the podcast, the brand and all the stuff that we're doing on the back end, right? Completely different than what I went to school for. And I can honestly say that even as a 20-something-year-old, I was only doing those things because I was told that this was the right thing to do and that in society, I would have a certain level of whatever, no matter what I did or what I wanted to do. Like The words were, if you go to law school and you have this and everyone's going to look at you as an esquire, no one will mess with you. You can do anything you want after that. You can go into art. You can go into music. You can go into dance. You know, you could go play tennis for the rest of your life if you want to, but you have to secure yourself. I look back and think about it. Think about this. Was that not coming from a place of fear? Yes, I think it definitely was coming from a place of fear. Like wanting all of that validation from people who were older than me at the time or thinking that I couldn't go out there and make it on my own how I wanted to. And I, looking back, I wasn't ready. I'm not you know, being negative about the past. I'm just saying that I can learn from that and know what I was thinking back then and what drove my decisions. When I was scared, I was very young, I was inexperienced. And yeah, there was a part of me that was seeking outside validation from people that I loved and cared about, 100%. And so the point is, how do you get rid of your ego is you become aligned, you become self-aware, and you put your effort towards something that you really, really care about, that you have a purpose for. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that I'll give an example for something that changed in me when it comes to this topic. And when I first started doing a lot of speaking engagements in different places, I was very careful what I said. This is when I was just learning about the process. I hadn't done a ton of speaking engagements before. And so I was very careful about what I said when I was up in front of a group of people because I didn't want to be perceived to not know what I was talking about on a particular topic or 
I didn't want to say something that I actually was thinking or was more my authentic self because I didn't want to be perceived as different or maybe people just wouldn't understand some of the things I was talking about. And then over the course of time, as I became more comfortable with it to understand like how the speaking stuff works and how it operates, what I learned is that when you're going and doing a speaking engagement somewhere, you should be as authentic as you possibly can for what your beliefs are, what your experience is in a particular industry segment, and you should authentically speak to that audience for what resonates in your soul. And when I learned this, what I learned is that when you're talking in front of people, you wouldn't be there, you wouldn't be invited to do that unless you had an expertise in this particular area, right, that you were doing. You wouldn't have never been invited in the first place. And once I understood that and how the audience responded to different things that I would say, I would become more authentic with what I would talk about. And I think I even mentioned this last week when I was in Russia and I started talking about human consciousness on stage and when the topic of discussion was about startup companies, right? And we got into founder mentality. And so becoming more comfortable in what I authentically think is purpose built around how you should be thinking about things in your life and how the business is one aspect of your life, but let's talk about your personal life because that plays directly into what you're doing on a daily basis. And then starting to get into these concepts of mixing business with spirituality and science and talking more freely about that and not allowing my ego to be restrictive on what I would say when I'm speaking in front of a group of people. That's an example of how I began to become more authentic with what I was saying and kind of deleting my ego. And as you went through that experience, because that was recent, that was just like a few years ago. And as you went through that experience, didn't you sense, didn't you realize that in doing so, you were also being shown to yourself, wow, I really like talking about X, Y, Z. I, I mean, I am really good at this, but I really do enjoy this. Absolutely. I've learned a lot about myself by being a lot more authentic with the things that I do on a daily basis. And I think that'll be true for anybody yeah. that starts to come into their own more in terms of doing what they believe is their authentic version of themselves. And absolutely, as I started talking about these different things, not only did I learn more about my passion and excitement for learning and discussing these topics, it also pulled people out of the crowds for the audiences that I spoke with that were aligned with my way of thinking. And then we could have very interesting conversations to kind of pass ideas back and forth and maybe what they've experienced and I can share what I experienced that provided much more of a deeper human connection than just on the surface business talk. The second thing that we can do to help delete our egos is focus on the effort, not on outcomes. I think this is, this could be said in a very simple way is, you know, learn to enjoy the journey. If you love what you're doing um, and you do it with passion every day and you toil at it day by day and just focus on the journey, then the outcome will appear as on its own. There was a, I don't know if you know this, a book about football players or a football coach and how he trained his team. Do you know what I'm talking about? He trained his team to prepare for the Super Bowl or for each game, just knowing just to play each minute and each moment to its best and not focus about winning at all. And so what that did was, one, it kind of, it sets you up for success because you're in the moment and you're not constantly thinking about like trying to attain a goal or attain something. When you truly enjoy what you want to do, you truly enjoy the day-to-day. It's not always easy, but that determination, that drive, and that passion just comes to you. I, I can say that too. With the stuff that we're working on right now, 
that inspiration to me, I mean, last night I was up till midnight and I never stay up till midnight, but I just knew like, I want to get this done at this point and it's in my head. I have to get it down on paper. Right? So when you focus on effort and someone or something comes along to trip you up and potentially get an egotistical response out of you, you're not going to, you're just so aligned with yourself and in your own world, basically staying in your own lane within and without your, like within yourself and outside of yourself then nothing can come along and shake you. Exactly. And I think that this concept of focusing on the effort, not the outcomes, is something that can be applied horizontally across any industry, any person, any personal scenario, that if you on a daily basis are not enjoying the process of what you're doing and you're too focused on what the outcome, but you think the process is miserable, you are not in the right line of work. You are not aligned with your authentic self. And until you learn that and then realign yourself and put your energy towards what you are authentic with, you're going to struggle. You're going to have a lot of egoic-based responses and you're going to probably be wondering why you're having these. And I think it's probably because you're not committed to enjoying the process of what you're creating. You're too focused on the end result. Well, guess what? When the end result occurs... You're going to have a new goal, a new end result, and then you're going to hate the process to get to that one. It's a cycle. It's a deadly cycle that never ends. You have to be present in the moment, enjoying the operation of the current process that you're in. And if you are not enjoying that right now and you can self-reflect, whether that's in your personal life with a relationship, whether that's in the business setting with your current job, self-reflect for a bit, figure that out. And if that's the case and you're learning that you're not enjoying the process, but your ego is forcing you to stay in this, you will be able to delete that ego and then move forward and realign yourself with what you truly think is meaningful. Listen, I also think that, you know, you have to, you want this goal so bad or this outcome and you're not focusing on the efforts because you don't enjoy it. I think you have to think about, okay, Am I willing, what is success to me? That outcome that you want so bad? Or let's change the definition of success to happiness or to peace of mind. Peace of mind in knowing that you put your best foot forward every single day to attain that outcome. Isn't that happiness? Isn't that success right there? How many people do you and I meet who truly love what they do? It's rare. I mean, it's. I feel very fortunate by my line of work because I'm getting to work with entrepreneurs that are usually quit their job or went a different route to pursue something they're incredibly passionate about. So it's almost like the universe attracted that into my life because I'm very passionate about what I do and it put me in a workplace setting where on a daily basis, I get to work with extremely passionate founders that love what they're doing and the products and services that they're building. So I feel extremely blessed and grateful for that. But yeah, you have to really figure that out and align yourself in that direction. And once you do that, it's going to put you in a much better place. Yeah, you have to you have to find your own self-satisfaction. You can't be looking externally like we discussed before. I also can't really stress enough how important and imperative it is. I mean, it's taken me like 30 years to figure it out, but tr- you, there is something out there for everyone that in a good way, in a positive way, keeps you up at night or keeps your head spinning at nighttime or like you're inspired, like how I have been lately. And and you, you can attest to this, just like I'm nonstop thinking or writing or figuring out the next step to out to the next venture we're going to be working on, you know? And 
it's weird how the universe works because while I'm so busy doing all the things that I love to do right now that I finally found for myself, I'm not worried about what anyone else is saying or doing. I truly am not. Maybe a year ago I was, two years ago I was, three years ago I was, but like now all of a sudden it's like something shifts inside of you where you are just so happy in the moment and kind of, I don't want to say busy, I think busy is a negative word, occupied maybe, like I'm... Occupied and content in what you're doing. In what I'm doing that if someone doesn't like it, if someone has something to say about it, or even if it's something on the friend or drama side of things... I just have something else to focus on now. I have something else that I care about now that truly makes me happy on the inside. So I don't really get a chance to respond from my from an egotistical place anymore. And I think what you just said is important about you're happy in what you're doing right now. So you're happy in the yeah. present moment. And that is a really great way to see if you're being successful and trying to remove your ego. If you're in a state of happiness and what you're working on, then it's going to be a lot more difficult for your ego to come out in scenarios mm-hmm. because you're very grateful and happy for what you're doing. You're very present. And I think a big issue in like our educational institutions is that from a young age, your teachers will ask, you know, what do you want to do when you get older? And, and you're almost programmed to think like, I want to be an astronaut or a doctor or this and that. The answer to that question, in my opinion, should really be, I want to be happy. Yeah. But we're never taught that. Mm-hmm. We're never programmed from a young age to align with our authentic selves, to be present and do things on a daily basis that make us happy. No, because the answer from the older society then is, well, happiness isn't going to get you a paycheck. Happiness isn't going to put food on the table. Happiness isn't going to do X, Y, Z. And I think that's where young minds can't really comprehend ego and happiness and job and all that, you know? So we're easily, we're, we are easily programmed when we're young. Exactly. Yeah. And so I guess in conclusion for that point is if you can really focus on happiness in the present moment, then it's going to be a lot more difficult for your ego to come out. Just throw yourself into finding what makes you happy is what I would say, you know, forget everything else in life. Okay. The third thing is push yourself to do things for others And the reasoning behind this is this helps delete your ego because when we, I'm sure everybody's done something for someone they love or you gave, you know, money to the homeless or you donated clothes and that feeling of happiness or satisfaction with yourself when you make someone else smile or do something for somebody else through uh, money or acts of kindness or whatever it may be is it feels good for a reason, One is because you did something and now someone gave you an external reward, a smile, a thank you. Maybe they cried um, like tears of joy because you helped them out in something. But also over time, doing things for others instead of yourself is going to literally show you and make you feel that we are all one. Exactly. And from a metaphysical perspective, I believe our universe is created with this frequency of love and we're here for service for others. And the better you can serve other people, whether that's just doing very simple, nice things like bringing your coworker a cup of coffee that they didn't ask for, or more advanced, nice things like paying off somebody's medical bill or you know whatever the particular scenario is, when you can exude and project that love to serve others for humanity, 
it is doing it to yourself because yeah. we're all connected. Like this universe is constructed around the emotion of love. It's not by accident that when you do something nice for somebody, you have a feeling of wholeness and fulfillment inside of you. Like your heart feels good because you just help somebody. That is not by accident. That is how our grid is designed to project love. And when you do something bad to somebody else and the ego comes out, you don't feel good afterwards. That is not by accident. It's very simple how love versus hate or fear operates in this universe that we live in. And you need to be able to recognize your feelings and your emotions because that is your barometer on a daily basis. If you're feeling good, your barometer's doing all right, it's giving you a certain reading. If you're not feeling good, that barometer's giving you a different Different reading, and you have to be self-aware to recognize that. And by doing things for other people, which just naturally as an individual makes you feel better, that is not by accident. You need to figure out how you can replicate those feelings of wholeness and fulfillment in your life because that's what projecting love is going to be able to do by helping you serve others, which in turn, since we're all connected, is helping you serve yourself. Yeah, and it goes back to the whole where ego is actually a mask on the I, the me, for me, mine, where when you do things for other people, you start to subconsciously realize there is no I, there's no me. When I do this, I feel good, and so does that person. And I think that's like the big differentiator here. Exactly. So... We're going to end out on this topic of ego. We hope that you found this valuable. And just remember that the ego can come out in a lot of different ways. It can come out in the form of arrogance like we've discussed. It can come out in the form of you being upset with somebody for critiquing you. It can come out in the form of external validation, like needing other people to accept you or congratulate you. It can come out for your need for likes or comments on social media. There's so many different ways that ego can be projected. And once you learn to master ego and remove it and delete it from your life, your life is going to run smoother. You're going to attract positive and enhanced opportunities. More positive people will come into your life and enter, and the people that are not operating at that same frequency will begin to diminish and slowly drain away from your life. And your daily life that you're living is just going to be more enhanced for a positive perspective in all aspects. And so I think it's something that's just super important to really recognize and become aware of that you don't have to have an egoic response. You control your ego and don't allow this illusion of self-identity to convince you any different because the ego is tricky. Like we talked about, it is the trickster. It will come in a lot of different ways to try to throw you off guard, throw you off your balance. And once you recognize that over time and working with it to better understand how your ego comes out, because ego can also come out different from every single person. So to understand how it projects itself in you, once you become aware of that, you're going to be able to get a harness on it. You're going to be able to control it. And hopefully in time, and I'm sure you can if you practice, you'll be able to delete your ego. And I've been working on this for years and years, and it's something that I've noticed just tremendous positive impact from by really trying to remove my ego from every single scenario and trying to focus on the good, trying to focus on love and compassion when I'm dealing with people or dealing with myself. And so this is the ego, and you got to learn to get rid of it. 
All right, some books on ego. So we've got A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. In here, he argues that it's important to transcend ego-based states of consciousness. And this process will help to end conflicts and increase personal happiness. The second book I'd recommend is Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday. And the third book I'd recommend is Become What You Are by Alan Watts. In this book, he touches on various philosophical concepts and offers some very practical wisdom to cope up with the life of a human being. And he absolutely discards the toxic idea of ego among other mental models such as self-consciousness and the illusion of self-control in which we think there is a need to control and manipulate everything. Let's not forget, that's a, it's a really good, um, this is a really good book. I think this book goes more in depth with the scientific or biological reasons of ego that's ingrained in human consciousness. And he goes really in depth about how sometimes we have ego and we say and do things out of an egotistical manner on purpose to manipulate the person in front of us. It's insane how he takes it. And I, I trust me, I read that and I was like, wow. I mean, I thought of certain people. I thought of myself in certain scenarios. So if I had to recommend them in order, I'd definitely go with number three first, Become What You Are by Alan Watts. Then I would say go for A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. And then third on my list would be the Ryan Holiday book. And now, Brian, you, would you like to share a quote? It can't be your ego is not your amigo. All right. I got a better one. So I got a quote by Wayne Dyer. And if you've never heard of Wayne Dyer, I highly recommend you go out and YouTube some videos on him. He's a great speaker that talks about a lot of interesting concepts and some of the things that we touch on. And Wayne Dyer's quote about ego is, the ego is only an illusion, but a very influential one. Letting the ego illusion become your identity can prevent you from knowing your true self. Ego, the false idea of believing that you are what you have or what you do, is a backwards way of accessing your living life. So that's all we have for today. We really appreciate you coming back and joining us on Deep Thoughts with the Dixons. We hope you found this podcast on deleting your ego valuable. If you did, we would encourage you to please leave us a rating and a comment and uh, tell us what you thought. Also, we're open to your feedback. If there's anything that you would like us to answer or topics you'd like us to cover, please feel free to reach out at Nina P. Dixon on Instagram or at BrianDixon06 is my handle. And we would be happy to learn about what you're interested in hearing about. And we can cover some topics like that in future podcasts. Thanks a lot.